everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to a standalone Adventure Super Train, uh, where we will be discussing a TV movie that relates to a show that will uh, be discussed very soon. In this one, we are talking the TV movie Probe from originally aired February 12th, 1972. I'll be giving you a little bit of a rundown about it in a minute. We, ha we have returning, after his stint with us down in Bourbon Street, the great Mitchell Hadley. Uh, Mitchell will be joining us for Probe, and then the follow-up series, Search, which um, has a bunch of episodes, not as many as Bourbon Street Beat, but um, it's a it's a show I really like, and I like this TV movie very much. Uh, let me just give you a little 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 background, little rundown. Yeah, this is early '70s. This is very much a spy type show. Um, we go into great detail into sort of what the the are up to the probe organization are up to i'm trying not to say the word probe too many times but um it happens uh, and I, I just actually was looking here I've, I've got um uh merrill out the first edition of merrill and it's funny to see like february 12th within like a month of that oh my gosh like january 11th was the night stalker as the emergency tv movie oh madam sin something evil uh, spielberg film uh women in chains hooray a screaming woman truman capote's the glass house when michael calls wow lots of great stuff for crawl space and then afterwards evil roy slade man on a string adventures of nick carter kung fu wow two for the money eyes of charles sand a lot of great tv movies coming out around this time and this one I actually just love to read you the back of the Warner Archive DVD because because it, it gives it to you pretty straight. In that um, Hugh O'Brien plays Hugh Lockwood, a member of the uh, he's a probe agent at this uh, working for this organization, and he is been sent. Well, when it starts off, he's in like a, like a South American slash Mexican village of some sort trying to rescue somebody. But his main thing for this episode is he is teamed up with Sir John Gielgud. And I know what you're thinking, boy. There's a there's a secret agent team I, I've always wished for, Hugh O'Brien and Sir John Gielgud. Uh, 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 he plays a character named Streeter, I believe, who's a diamond expert. And they are after, well, Lockwood is after a, um, uh, a series of diamonds that were basically um, stolen by the Nazis during World War II. And um, who, whoever the rightful owner or somebody other wants them back. And there are these nine beautiful gems, and it's Lockwood's job to go. He goes to... Switzerland, Bavaria, somewhere other, you know, kind of um, wonderful sort of uh, Germanic uh, sort of places that uh, spy uh, movies and things go to. And he ends up running into Elke Summers and a lot of other, who's, who her mom may or may not know where the diamonds are. There's lots of other shenanigans going on throughout the movie. The thing about uh, Lockwood is being a member of the probe organization, we will discuss this more as we get into it is that as he's out there engaging adventures and and getting into fist fights and getting beaten up and car chases this that and all the other stuff trying to locate these diamonds he is constantly being monitored back in the u.s i think somewhere in the los angeles area don't quote me on that it could be washington dc but i think it's the los angeles area from a large room filled with computer banks and monitors and technicians um and um a gentleman in charge named B.C. Cameron, played by Burgess Meredith, and also a woman named Gloria Harding, played by Angel Tompkins. And they're all there monitoring him. He has a little camera on him, 
where they can see what he sees. Uh, he has a little earpiece in so they could hear what he hears. Um, and also um, the the uh, I believe I believe the the monitor uh, the camera also monitors his like his pulse rate, his heartbeat, and the heart rate, and pulse rates, adrenaline of everything around him. And he also has a little thing in his teeth. If he can't speak, he can do you know clamp down once for yes, twice for no, kind of thing. And they, as he's going through the adventure, they monitor him and are able to give him information he needs. Are able to help him out. This, that, and the and the other. And um, I'm, I'm not going to go too deeply into it because we we cover it pretty um, in depth in our discussion. The Entourage Collection, by the way, is the name of the diamonds, and there's like a consolidated company or other that now owns the rights to them that's sending um, sending Lockwood to look for them. So I, I would just stop chatting here. Let me give you a little blast of something and make sure that myself will be on the other side to discuss the TV movie Probe. Time to talk probe, and I have here with me a guy I think you're going to recognize, author, raconteur, wit, all-around swell guy, Mitchell Hadley. Mitchell, how are you? I am doing well, Dan. How are you? I'm doing okay. I I, I am excited to uh, discuss probe and then subsequently uh, the show Search. Um, because and why, Dan? Why is there a change there? Because there was a PBS show called Probe. Probe. Everyone was probing in the early 70s. <laughs> uh, you know, it was the fallout from the hippies. So, um, and I'm not going to make any probe jokes after that. Uh, <laughs> well, no. Um, so, so, it is um, great to be back again. And oh, by yes. the way, you know, this reminds me of how much I've missed doing the show. So, <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, obviously, you all know that Mitchell was here for the longest stretch of show we've done Bourbon Street Beat. Yeah, which was so much fun. It was. It was a it was a blast. And we're going to hop ahead 12 years from 1960 to 1972 and we yeah, we were in early 1972 and yeah, this was a movie of the week. At that time they were doing movies like every night. So, one of the many movies of the week, Probe. And um well, let's let's do it. Let's do it like this. Let's just start off um uh, with just any past history we might have with this. Uh, have, had, had you seen this show before, Mitchell, or is this your first time to it? Well, it, it's my first time really watching it. I was aware of it when it was um, on originally because um, in the uh, town where I uh, went to high school at the, at the time, and readers of my blog will recognize when I refer to the world's worst town, oh, yes. uh, that that's where I was living at the time, and the only commercial network station that we got was NBC. So um, I was aware of it. I think that I uh, probably watched a couple of episodes of it, but... I would not say that I was invested with it to the point that I would remember much of it. So I approach this as a brand new, uh, never before seen, ready to be enjoyed program. I, my story, and I'll make it. I'll make it a quick one. I find it. it it's funny this morning uh, when I went for my morning walk. I was just working through some of the stuff I might say, and I was. I started to tell the story I'm about to tell, and it took like 20 minutes. So I'm not gonna. I'd like to tell the story, but I'm gonna do it very quickly. I don't know if anyone here remembers the great Warner Archive Instant. Warner Archive is still around. But Warner Archive Instant was a great streaming 
um, mm. site that was here from like, I don't know, like 2012 to 2017 or something like that. And they had a great mix of stuff from, from movies to um, TV shows to TV movies. They had a lot of TV movies on there, a lot of great, some more obscure shows. And at some point, I decided to start watching the TV movies I'd never heard of. And, and this is before I really got to know Amanda and you know, who became my uh, made-for-TV uh, movie guru. Um, this was just when I was just picking random things. And I remember one night, my wife was in the living room watching Law & Order. And this sounds good. It's going to become a poem or something. I was in the pantry. No, um, I was in the dining room, and I picked, and I wanted to pick out a movie. And I forget whether or not it says Leslie Stevens, his name was on the, on the, uh, um, listening for the movie but something made me say i'm gonna watch probe so i watched probe and i i'll be honest i fell asleep halfway through it now that's not a bad thing i was very comfortable but what that what that meant is that i knew probe went into search so it was like maybe a couple of months before i got back to it and i think i just i had a um there was it was a saturday afternoon i was at that time i was working this is late 2000 early 2014 and I was working, the job I was doing was Tuesday through Saturday. And it was the end of the workday Saturday. My wife was out of town. It was just me and the two dogs. And I had, I was going to watch an episode of The Man from Atlantis, an episode of Harry O, and an episode of Wizards and Warriors, all of which mm -hmm. were on Warner Archive Instant. And when I sort of got to the end of them and I was ordering pizza and, and sitting down with a beer, I was like, oh, let me find one more show. And I was like, why don't I try Search? And I thought, forget about watching the rest of Probe. Maybe I'll hop right to the show. And I watched the first episode of Search. I really got into it. Watched it all the way through. Watched Probe again. A uh, year or so later, bought the DVDs. And um, it's... I won't go too crazy on it now, but it's its its a short-lived show that I really enjoy. Um, and um, it's... its I'll, I'll talk about it more when we actually get into the show. Now we're talking the movie. But yeah, so, so it was... Uh, it was one that I've been meaning to talk about since the beginning. And when I got to the end of Bourbon Street Beat, I instantly thought, hey, I think I have someone here who could join me on this journey. Hey, here he hey. is. Hey. <laughs> well, I'm, so, I'm glad that you did. I'm glad you thought of me for yeah, this. So, um, so I, I guess let, let's, let's, let's dive in. I, you know, I always make these things go a little too crazy long. So I'm going to try to keep this to an actual mini-sode length if we can. Um, so what did you, what, what were your initial thoughts or, or more on probe. Well, I think the the first thing that you are confronted with in this series is the technology, and it really is. I don't want to call it a gimmick because that has kind of a pejorative meaning to it nowadays. But this is a high concept series, and if you look at some of the reviews from the time. One of the things that people were at either fascinated by or scoffed at were the technological uh, things that are used by the uh, the organization in this uh, show. Some people thought it was too much of a sci-fi type thing. People thought it was way out there that um, Hugh O'Brien was more of a puppet than an actual field operative. I don't look at it that way, and I suppose it's partly because we're looking at it uh, 
some, what, from 40 distance, years. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's remarkably prescient in terms of what it has uh, the, um, the agents doing, their capacity for technology between the little um, earpiece. It's, it's Im- embedded in the show. It would just be, I think, probably a little earbud nowadays, but that where they can communicate back and forth and the, uh, the camera that also sends out all of these sensory readings mm-hmm. to the people back at probe headquarters so that whenever an agent is able is, is walks into a room the the people back at probe are, are able to see what he wants you to see through this little camera they can monitor his vital signs they can pick up vital signs from anybody who happens to be in the immediate proximity which is very helpful if there's somebody hiding behind a door waiting to bop you on the head. Um, you've got the instant translation in case you confront something uh, in a foreign language. They have the ability to freeze pictures and run them down, uh, identify people from those pictures, do backgrounds. An amazing amount of technology, and uh, I am impressed with that, and I am particularly impressed by one thing and I'll I'll be brief on this too but it, kind of my nerdish aspects one of the things one of the things that TV traditionally has done very badly is to show a remote camera picking up images usually what you wind up seeing is a, yes. a number of jump cuts that would be impossible if you've only got one camera yeah. and twice and they they uh, handle this very well with the idea that the um that the camera is either in Hugh O'Brien's cufflinks or a tie tack or in uh, uh, an amulet that he's wearing around his neck. But the the idea that they can see this, they can zoom in and they can pan back and he can move this around with his own movements, which means you're answering a lot of the technical objections that uh, an anal retentive person like me (laughs) would notice when you're watching something and they don't or at least they haven't so far done any of these cuts to a different angle. So I appreciate how they're handling that. It gives the show a sense of of authenticity and credibility. It doesn't require the kind of suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. that you so often get in these things. And um, there, there's there's more to it that I think we can talk about the atmosphere the um the the way that they handle it the supporting characters but uh let me just wind up this part of it by saying that for me to be impressed by the special effects and the equipment in a movie that has Elkie Summer as one of your guest stars, <laughs> for me to find the technology the most interesting equipment on the show is saying something. So, And I'm also saying something with my my uh, gestures here that none of you can yes, see. Yes. And that's probably just as well. But. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I think the... And, and, and two, I would say Elkie Summer and Angel Tompkins, who I'm a big fan of. She, Me too. She is wonderful in this, and that's yeah. something I'll, I'll touch on in a bit too, because I yeah. think it's a very important 
element in the series. Now, I told you I fell asleep the first time I watched it. I yes. think I was just very, I think I was very comfortable. Because when I went back and watched it after watching the whole series, I thought it was great. It, it really does sort of top load itself with all this technology. I mean, almost, the thing begins immediately and you're in like, um, I, I'm not going to say a backlot Mexican village, but you're in like a Mexican village type thing. And there's all kinds of shooting going on. And then you see Hugh O'Brien and you think, hey, it's Wyatt Earp. And, but it's not. It's Hugh O'Brien, and he's there, and he's he's shooting and everything. And then within thirty seconds, suddenly the the image sort of sort of shifts a bit, and the camera pulls back from a larger screen, and you see this room with like huge dark room with several levels and six people watching what we were just watching. Very and effective. Al- almost immediately, it's like, okay, this isn't quite what you think it is. Or maybe it's exactly what you think it is. I actually don't know what the uh, commercials or anything were like. But, I mean, it starts off like it's going to be adventure spice. I mean, this is 72. This is in between Diamonds Are Forever and Live and Let Die. Bond mania may be over, but the Bond films are still going. Yes. And so having, like, a secret agent um, show isn't... Um, you know, isn't like, oh, look, it's, I don't, I don't even know if they are secret agents. They're just, they're, they're, yeah, we'll call them psych, like secret yeah, agents. I, type I, I think that, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a, a private for hire yes. company, but certainly I uh, think that they perform all the duties and functions of a secret agent. Yes. Yeah, to, 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 to do a secret agent type thing, I think in, in 72, after there were so many of them in the second half of the 60s, right at the start of the 70s, is, uh, you need a good, you need a gimmick. You gotta mm-hmm. have a gimmick, and this one is a pretty great gimmick, I think, um, because what what I noticed, what I realized as I was watching it, uh, this this is probably the fifth or sixth time I've watched this now. I realized that when it cuts from the action that Lockwood's in the middle of, and then it cuts back to a room with six people in lab coats staring at a screen, it, it, nothing is lost for me. I don't. I don't have a moment where I'm like, "Oh crap, we're back in the room." I. It's. It's always. It's. I. I get the feeling like Leslie Stevens really sat down and thought it through. When it cuts back and forth, a, a lot of times when it cuts back to the room, it's like like the scene with um, Lockwood in the wine cellar at the end, or the scene where the the little scanner is in the napkin and gets taken taken away off the table. Um, the cutting back and forth there increases the suspense. I agree. I think that uh, they're 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 providing Lockwood with vital information. It's interesting just to watch them gather that information, actually, but they're. They're providing him with vital information, but contrary to what some of the critics of the time uh, thought, I don't think that makes him a, a robot or a puppet because they're depending on his judgment and his acumen yes. in the field. And Hugh O'Brien is a perfect actor for this yes. kind of a role. Yes. He's he's a heroic actor, and this really calls for, for a hero because mm-hmm. – as much as he's getting fed all of this information throughout this movie and subsequently, the he's got to act on all of this. He's got to digest it. He's got to comprehend what it means, and he has to act based upon it. And he has to do that in a very, very short time. Very, very, I mean, he, he, like the um, uh, well, one example being like with the translations. You know, they have a guy yes. who who knows all the languages and the great thing is like this guy knows a lot of languages and there's there's never a moment where i'm like 
Does he know all the languages? As far as I'm concerned, yes, he does. He is there because he knows all the languages. And, um, and yeah, the great moment where he goes to the door, Elke Summer's house, and she opens the door and she speaks to him in the language of Elke. I'm not sure. Whichever. <laughs> it's not Swiss. Is it French? I, I don't know. What, what, yeah, I, 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 was that in Belgium that... Uh... I it's, uh, I thought it's, it was in Switzerland. I, I yeah, don't know. <laughs> well, it could be it could be French, it could be German, it could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there are so many different languages in that. Yeah, uh, around the, yeah. But I would say, when Elke Summer is speaking to you, you don't stop to figure out what language it is. There is. Yes, exactly. Only the language of that's the that's the universal language, and, yes. and but it's great because as she's speaking to him, instantly the it's it's being fed through his you know ears and eyes and ears, and it's going directly to the translator guy who's immediately translating it back, so uh, Lockwood can speak to her, and uh, you know impress her with his uh, his knowledge of you know he's just lockwood and the thing i love about hugh o'brien is that he's he's a really good hero he you get in a good he gets in a good car chase he's got that great rather harrowing scene in the um and th- this is one of the things too with the great use of that camera on the scanner that that scene in the wine cellar where he's practically dead and they lock yes. him in a room that that is that like that's all everything almost everything we see in that scene is like from well not all of it but most of it is like from his scanner which is like breaking up so mm-hmm. I, yes. I, I'm, I'm wondering what people thought of that because I, I know like um, I know that there used to be the thing at the BBC where like uh, why is one of the reasons why like Doctor Who at certain times in the 70s and 80s so darn bright because they had a rule that you had to have the light up at a certain level because if the light was too dark because of the way the TVs were back then people would call up and complain uh-huh. they think there, they think there was something wrong so if they lit something sort of in a dark way it had to be in a very specific way and a lot of times they didn't have time to do that so they just like threw all the lights on it and th- and that was that was kind of so i'm wondering if there was like what people would have thought if they were watching and during that like five minute sequence where like half the shots are like green and red lines are yeah. shooting through the screen and everything's crackling i imagine on a tv at that time that that might have been a little harrowing to to, to watch <laughs> you might have thought something was wrong with your tv well, you know, that brings up something else, too, that they mention a couple of times in the movie. They mention it once just in passing, but later on it actually becomes a, uh, a pivotal point, is that the agent has to have, he can't have any sinus congestion or anything like that because it inhibits the ability of the ear implant to be able to transmit information. Oh yes, yes. And so there are there are a number of details like that that they have uh, introduced and whether it is to give it an added layer of believability or whether it is to provide some kind of an excuse for introducing tension or uncertainty, I'm not sure, but it convinced me it uh, it, it sold me <laughs> exactly. that this, that this was this this was great wow you know i they must have some kind of a, a, a concession there in the uh, lobby of the building where you're able to get nasal spray <laughs> yes, or something exactly, exactly. yeah you know the, yeah. imagine being the official nasal spray of oh, the, the probe corporation yeah. or whatever they are yeah yeah, yeah, you're right. They're still called Probe, even though the name of the show is called Search. But there will be a quiz on that eventually. Yes, but, yes. But I think, uh, and the, a couple of other things that uh, 
come to mind Please. when with this. First of all is uh, Burgess Meredith, who is oh. brilliant in this yes. episode. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. He he has he has his typical wry sense of humor and his kind of half curmudgeonly, half affectionate uh, way of, of dealing with Lockwood. But listening to him and and watching how he keeps everything in control, where he truly is, I think they, his title is controller, but he's really acting like a director almost, or an air traffic controller, or uh, a really good analogy, I think, when we were watching it, my wife said, he's like Gene Kranz at NASA, isn't he? Because mm. they, they follow the speech patterns very closely of how uh, traffic controllers and NASA controllers talk. Very yes. monotone, calm, clear, and this the, the simultaneous translation is the same way. They have this way of talking, we'll be taking a look at this we're doing that it's it i i thought that again added a nice touch of realism and yet um meredith is able to let his own personality show through in in that so he comes across as a character as being very impressive the kind because he he literally does hold that whole operation together and if i'm out in the field i can't think of anybody i would rather have talking (laughs) through it than him and yes Angel Tompkins. Yes. I'll let you, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh uh, well, I, I will just say say with the the one one of the great things is like when you're you're cutting from the excitement out in the field and you cut back to a room where sort of the two main characters at the moment are Burgess Meredith and Angel Tompkins. Come on. I mean that's just, even though they're just sitting sitting at a, at large computer consoles the whole time that's great and and Burgess Meredith gets a lot of great moments where he like he's asking like oh does that wine look as taste as good as it looks <laughs> yes. and there's there's a great moment where they're I I, I want to say I believe it's this episode um, where he's like eating at one point and he has like a coffee mug and like an old donut or something yes is that yeah and I he's think, like he yeah I think, I think this is this one. I think that I think that's in here, and they're like, um, I, I want to say like a Lockwood and, and Elkie Summer like ordering a beautiful dinner or something like that, and you see him with like a looks like an old cup of coffee and just like a day old donut, and he's <laughs> he's he's kind of leaning forward eating the donut, uh, and it's, it's these great little moments, and then Angel Tomkins of course is fantastic. Um, she is I forget her character's name. I want to say Gloria. Yes, I uh, believe you're and, correct. And Gloria is in charge of. I, Pardon me. I want to say Gloria is um, she is the um, she she's the one who does all this sort of the medical monitoring. She's the one yeah. who says you know a uh, pulse rate is up, adrenaline is up. You know um, at one point they're talking to uh, Elke Summers' character's uh, uh, mother Frau Ullman, and they're talking about the entourage collection, these diamonds, and it's like ooh you know her <coughs> pardon me her heart is really racing. It, it, it looks like uh, from from the you know stuff here. It looks like she's about to faint. Don't talk to her anymore. You know, mm-hmm. and then there's another guy who likes this. He looks like he's on the verge of a heart attack. Stop talking to him. And then she does the other stuff too, where she recognizes you know there's someone else in the room. And it's great because there's like two scenes near the end, and we won't spoil everything. But this ain't like a this ain't a, this isn't a mystery. Although it does have twists at the end. Um, but. Um, yeah, we didn't actually discuss what we were going to spoil. I guess we'll go up near the end. We how about how about this? We'll go up near the end, but like the final sequence, uh, if you know the sequence I'm talking about, where he reveals who. Yes. 
Yes, we won't do that. We'll stop. Yes. Yes, but but I will mention that there are there are some great there is some great use of like when he's in the wine cellar and this guy is going to show him what's apparently the entourage collection in this in this safe, and um, it's like uh you know uh you know heartbeats uh, going crazy or something. Oh, is that Lockwood? No, that's not. The, you know, there's someone else in the room. Lockwood, be careful. There's someone else there. And then they do that again later, where it's like, wait a minute, we're showing another presence right nearby or something, and it's really. I just I just love the concept of like you know Lockwood's about to get like the crap kicked out of him in a wine cellar and yet it's so suspenseful watching them cut from him about to get attacked to like two people in lab coats sitting at computer consoles. Yes, and you'll I don't know if it's in this movie or in an episode, but um, she'll as you said uh, Gloria is monitoring the the vitals and she she'll interpret something. She might say. He's lying, and yes. that that's um, that is uh, really a powerful thing to be able to tell, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I mean that's fantastic. I I, I really I really like and and stuff like um, uh, you know when uh, Uli there Elke Summers talking to Locke when it's like um, um, uh, you know she's getting excited. Oh, it's about the diamonds. You know I don't think so. Or so you know I just like <laughs> she's got a lot of greats. She she's like the um the kid in class who's always doing a little sass off to one side, yes. and the teacher doesn't want to yell at the kid because they like the kid. So like, come on, Mitchell, knock it off. You know, and he yeah. has to keep doing that to Gloria because she keeps putting on all these asides. Like you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna send a you know a sonic blast through your earpiece if you don't stop flirting with her or something like that. Enough. Let's get back to the issue at hand here, <laughs> people. <work. laughs> and I, I mean, so, so Angel Tompkins is great. I think she's really good in this. Yes. I've, I've always been a fan of her in um, uh, uh, whatever I've seen her in, including a really dour film called The Teacher, um, which I saw, which I saw about two weeks ago. That's one of those '70s films that you're hoping it will just be a fun, like, sexploitation comedy. But then, like, five minutes in, you're like, oh, it's going to be one of these films. I'm going to learn a lesson, and it's going to be tragic, isn't it? Just so I can see some boobs. Oh, man, that's exactly what I happens. Had, I she, admire she your dedication to the craft, though. Be, to, have to, <laughs> to, to have to sit through this in the, the name of, of research, I think, is, is an admirable quality. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, it's great in this one because yeah, she's just she's just behind she's in the lab coat and she's behind the thing and she's just she 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 like everyone else she does her job really really well and she throws out the sass I mm-hmm. like I like how competent everyone is they all are I mean Lockwood is competent in a different way because he's in the middle of everything getting beaten up car chases getting shot at and everything like that and these folks are in front of their computers being very calm and you know translating immediately or like you know find out who this guy in the car was so one person is going checking all the records to find out what's going on and it's um I think it's 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 really nicely and I like it because it's really it's really nicely thought out yes and I, I think that may have been the thing when I first watched it. Uh, I think I may have been um, hoping for a little more, like, spy action. And it took me a while to get into it. Because now, when I watch it, I just love it. I love it when it cuts back and forth. It's fantastic. But I think that first time I was expecting more spy stuff. And I thought maybe, you know, um, I, I'm making this up, actually. I really don't remember why I kind of drifted off the first time through. I think I was just comfortable. But I do I do remember at one point when I was watching it thinking that um, 
the the one thing I don't I don't actually think it's something I dislike about this episode, but I think the actual thing that's happening in it, which is you have to locate is it eight diamonds nine diamonds i forget how many diamonds i, I want to say is. nine but i'm not i'm not positive on that but yeah there were diamonds that were pilfered by um herman Goering during yes. world war ii and that which is which is uh, a handy plot uh, plot mm. contrivance because when in doubt pinning something on the nazis the nazis still exactly. fresh enough at the time and yes. certainly Goering's avarice toward Art and uh, yes. things of beauty make it make it plausible. So you're right. You combine that as your backstory and the search for these diamonds. And I I wonder if they didn't go easy on the plot purposely in order to allow That's... the audience to absorb all of this technology that was being thrown at them. That's that that actually that that was the rest of what I was going to say. Yeah, but I think that's why the first time I watched it, I um I think I I think there was I thought there was maybe a little too much of the technology. But now when I watch it, it doesn't bother me. Now when I watch it, I'm absolutely fine with it. So so I think um I I, I think possibly too. It's like I love the, the the looking for the diamonds and everything. But I kind of would have liked a plot line that was more like trying to save the world. Yes. Rather than like trying to find nine diamonds to you know that were stolen from some rich people by some other people, and now we're getting it back to some rich people. There's something about that that isn't fully satisfying. You you want something a little more. Um, if you're going to die fighting for another man's diamonds, um, doesn't seem the best way to go for me. Yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> but but however, I also think, like you said, and I also think that we I've encountered TV movies and, and pilots that do this before. You don't want to. You don't want to when when you've got such a, 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 a such a back such background you have to provide. You don't want to make the plot too much. You want to make it something that's you know we're looking for diamonds. The moment he finds them, it's over. So there, it's not complicated. It's just he's just got to find the diamonds. And so in that, we're able to tell you everything we need to tell you. So when the series, if there is a series, begins. We don't have to do that again because you already saw it. So, so yeah, I it's it's weird. I I um I I don't know why I didn't love it the first time I saw it, but but now I watch it. And I really just I really just get a kick. I get about halfway into it, and they're like they're at the restaurant, and the the uh, the scanner goes missing in the napkin, and Elke Summers looks great in her dress, and she's eating strawberries. And um, um, the the wine tasting guy. We'll talk about who that is in a moment. You know his um, his uh, diamond expert friend um, <laughs> is is getting getting loaded on brandy and sitting up in the room. And it's just and it's cutting back and forth. I think that's around when Burgess Meredith is eating like the donut. And there's just so much going on. And then at the end, like in the last fifteen minutes or so, there are, there are a bunch of great little twists and turns. And then there's there's like uh, another then there's another twist and then a minute later there's another one and it's like it's all very satisfying yes I think and I would um, agree and it makes you want to see what happens next which is always a good thing indeed <laughs> uh, so, so what else would you like to talk about some more of the cast or, yeah, or, or, I, or one more one more thing I, I'm yep. so sorry I meant I meant to say so I mentioned Hugh O'Brien the thing I like about Hugh O'Brien. Is Hugh O'Brien is um, he's a he's a good hero, but he's also a bit like um, he's also a bit like um, if if your dad was a spy, because every once in a while he makes kind of like corny jokes, and he's a little he's a little square, I think, <laughs> but in the nicest way. Yes, 
Yeah. You know, he he's like halfway in between like Sean Connery and Dean Martin as Matt Helm, but he's not drunk. And so there's this kind of a weird thing in there where he's like he's he's cool, but then he has these moments where it's like he's doing stuff and it's like he's doing some things and it's almost like he's he's like, "Hey, I'm cool. Check me out." And it's like, "No, you got you're cool when you're not being cool." <laughs> but when you when when you're trying to be cool, you you kind of you look like, you know, you look like um, you know, kind of giggling at your dad kind of yeah. thing. But, yeah. but, but, I th- I think, but I think when he's being heroic and stuff, he's kicking behind. So. He is. Well, and it's, um, you mentioned the cast. Because, because this is a pilot, it's a movie, so you've got a great cast. Uh, you pull out all the stops for something like this. And you mentioned, we, well, we've mentioned at great length Elkie Summer who is is terrific because it uh, she gets brought into the story because i believe it's her mother that is um, yes. that that had a past history of involvement with these diamonds and with garing and so th- the the thought is that her mother might be able to provide some information to assist in the search for the diamonds and so that's how elke gets into the story um the expert that is being sent along yes. with lockwood is sir john gilgood who what? is <laughs> at his 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 uh gilgood best and i and by that i mean we're not talking about shakespearean gilgood it's probably a little more like arthur Arthur, I was going to say, yeah, it's warm-up, a little bit of Arthur warm-up. But he, he drinks was, as much as Arthur does, Yes, I he think. does. <laughs> and and um, he uh, he is uh, on this fine line where he is there as an expert, but he's also trying to comprehend the uh, technology that is behind all of this. He isn't aware of it all at first, and so he's blown away by what uh, Lockwood knows and uh, then he finds out that all of this information is being provided for him. But he seems just as fascinated, just like a little kid, to be in the uh, yes. probe headquarters. So uh, he is a lot of fun. There are a lot of character actors that you're going to recognize from television. Uh, Lila Scala is uh, is uh, Elkie's mother. Uh, Kent Smith who is in a lot of things, is in this. Alfred Ryder, who is almost always a bad guy, and because of that, you're never quite sure that he's going to be a bad guy because you keep <laughs> asking yourself, is this the one time they're going to cross <laughs> us up? So, you, And Ben Wright, who has been on all kinds of TV shows and is had a long career on um, old-time radio and was known as the master of dialects. He, he actually is, is American, but he can sound like he's from almost any country in the world. And he's briefly in this, but it's, it's a good role. A. Martinez is yes. in this. He does not make it to the series, perhaps was not interested in doing a series or whatever, but he plays one of the technicians. The um, the role continues into another into the series, even if he's not playing it. But it's a it's a really good, competent cast. You look at all these names and you think, well, I've, I'll give this movie a try. And I think that they they really help. Again, I keep talking about the credibility, but to me, that's something that's really important. And I think that having a cast like this really 
adds to the credibility of a movie that it, it can't make a bad movie good. And if you've seen Mystery Science Theater, you'll know that. You know, that's why we don't have John Agar in. in <laughs> but it, it can't make a bad movie good, but it can make a good movie better. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. And putting myself into a viewer of the time, I would have uh, seen the end of this movie, and I would have thought, you know, I'd like to see more stories like that. Yeah, same here. Yeah, that's. Um, I, I think. I think. In w- one of the things that the show does too that I really like is, you know, the computer room is really cool. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna get, and and I think, I think, um, maybe we'll mention this again later on in the series. But I, I, I think I, I can, um, I think we'll rest assured when Mitchell and I are talking about this, we're not going to have a moment where um, we. Uh, sort of, because well, what what I was going to say is that I watched this with, I watched this movie with someone like a few years ago, and every time it cut to the computer room, they were like, "Oh my god, those consoles—they're so big that we just have little laptops." And oh my god, those huge computers in the background. I thought, just let it ride. Yeah, hey, just this, let, this let... is, its no worse than what you would see in a, the average episode of Star Trek. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I was just like, just, just, just let it ride. I think, I think it's cool. Look at all the stuff they're doing from there. Come on, you know, and and um, I, I, th- I think it's cool, and 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 so that's not going to be something we do a lot of here. There won't be a lot of moments <laughs> where we go, well, that would have worked better if that had been a laptop, and he could have, you know, we're not gonna, they're not gonna be doing that. We're gonna, I, I think, I love that computer room. Yes. And I'm I'm all for it. I love the door that you get in through. I love the door in the main lobby, the one that opens up like it's a like um I don't know you entered like a chaos layer on Get Smart or something like that, like a huge teeth or something like yeah, in the you elevator. Have, you have your you hand print, and then you go through the uh, yeah yeah. And it's great too because the room is dark, but when the elevator opens, it's a bright red light shines in. Ah. Um, and there I forget. I think it's in this episode, but there's a point where you, you don't quite realize how big the space of the computer room is. I think it's near the end, possibly when Lockwood, they think Lockwood may have been killed in the wine cellar, where the camera is, like, way above the um, the computer room. And then I think it's slowly, I forget if it tracks in or zooms in, but it's like, you, you see kind of like like a shot kind of looking up up at a lot of times or slightly down at, like almost like it's a, um, like a lecture hall in like a college or something, yeah. mm-hmm. sort of. But there's this one shot where you're like over the top of it and it kind of comes down towards it. And you're like, wow, I like this. I wouldn't, I, I don't know how large this set was. You can't tell. It's too dark. But I would, I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a full like soundstage or something. I mean, that's huge. And they, the, the fact that they could put the camera up so high means that this is a gigantic room that they're in, which is great because. Yeah. Well, it uh, reminds uh, me, as I said, as, as a child of the space age, it reminds me of Mission Control. Sure. When yeah. I when I was watching the uh, space shots, and I have a great fondness for that, and so I look at this, and it it um, brings back a very warm memory to me. So I I find that totally plausible. Now, I, what I will do here is, so we don't go on forever, I'm going to bring up one more point. Then I'm going to ask you how you're doing, Mitchell, and you can bring up one point. Okay. Or two. You're the guest. <laughs> bring up two or three if you want. And then, and then we'll wrap it up. Then we will wrap it up. But I just want to say, it, I, I think 
something that it does too that really works in its favor and I think I seem to remember it doing pretty darn well throughout the series itself is because you've got the great computer room and then you've got all this great technology that they're using really well and detailed but the thing they do that a lot of shows don't do is quite a bit of the time I was convinced that they weren't somewhere in the LA area I don't know where they shot this but like when they go to wherever it is Elke Summers mom and her live I was convinced they were somewhere wherever that is yes and when they're driving through the forests they pick the right locations where I'm not looking at it going oh yeah if you look if you look right there to the left you'll see you go that's over the Hollywood Hills you'll see you know something like that they do a really nice job of pick, up until the end when they're actually in LA or wherever it is they are they're in LA right at the end of it yeah right? I think the, 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 I, I believe they are for the, for the last 20 minutes they go to a hotel in LA run by Nazis mm-hmm. of course yes um, and uh, but but for the for, for the majority of it they're in wherever it is you know uh, Elke some Austria they're in Austria right this is Austria and I am convinced th- I'm pretty much convinced the entire time they're there that they- I mean even when there's like a huge lake behind them and I'm like okay that could be like Hollywood that could be like Arrowhead that could be Big Bear Lake. but it, it works to me and and that's part of the sort of like the detail is not only in this great computer room and the technology but they convinced me that they were in Austria for like half the film mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure they're not but I was convinced and so there's something about that extra level of plausibility that really I think I don't know I think makes it makes it worth watching I would agree I think that um, it that 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 really clicks for me and it, it's it's sort of like what we were talking about with the Bourbon Street Beat that it is a that that show was a reasonable facsimile of New Orleans and it gave more importantly it gave off the New Orleans vibe and, yes. and this works equally well perhaps even a little better because it's in color but it uh, it does a good job of convincing you of precisely as you said that you are where you are supposed to be yeah and and stuff too like when they're they're like a chase through the woods where uh when they're in austria there's a you know, sort of a chase through the woods for some brief mo for some reason i thought of like uh the uh car chase in like goldfinger when he goes hmm. to where switzerland or whatever it is goldfinger but i know that there they are actually there they were actually on those streets but this is like i'm looking at the forest there and i'm thinking they are they'll, those aren't like the standard forests that you go to in L.A. when you make something. Yeah, the like, narrow roads and the uh, the yeah. the ethnic-looking architecture. Uh, yes. Uh, the alpine type of of scene. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 convinced me that that I was like I was there and mm-hmm. and it's so it so it's um. Yeah, I, I I like it. Mitchell, do you have anything else on this? No, just that I, I think that uh, you're right. We, we've, we've spent a good amount of time talking about the background and the premise of it, and that's something, you know, we, we won't be doing in every episode, yeah. but I think it was necessary here. And I think as a pilot, it functions, it ticks most of the boxes that your mileage may vary, but for me, it uh, completely satisfied the requirements of making me want to see regular episodes. And that's what I'm looking forward to next. Yay. All right. So yeah, we got a journey ahead of us. I believe there are 
23 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's correct. 23, 24, something like that, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we got a good good chunk of episodes, and uh, and I, I well, we'll probably mention this in the, in the um, in the uh, first episode of Search, but we'll have some variety, and I'll talk about what that variety is when we get to the 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 first. Episode. It is the spice so, of life. True. Uh, so Mitchell, uh, where are you? How are you? Where can we find you online or anywhere else? Well, you can find me online at. My website, it's aboutTV.com, where we talk about uh, classic television, mostly mid-century television and American culture. Uh, look at some old TV guides, talk about some stars, look at things that were on TV on a particular day, watch some cool videos, fun things like that. So if you're listening to this podcast already, I think you'll enjoy it. My uh, latest book on television is called The Electronic Mirror, and it is in the same vein, taking a look at uh, some of your favorites, shows you might remember, shows you might have forgotten about, shows that you didn't even know about, but you are glad you'll find them out. So we're there to have a good time and love to have you along for the ride. Hey, thank you so much. And I know I've said this many times uh, uh, when we talk Bourbon Street Beat, but it's a wonderful site. I recommend you all go to it. Uh, Mitchell's a great writer. Electronic Mirror is, you should get it. You should get it. And it's I'm now available everyone... in Kindle as well. So truly, hey. truly, you have no excuse out there. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so that is probe, and that is this minisode, another TV movie minisode. I always like doing the the minisode. So let me. Um, and since let, I'm from what, Minnesota, hey. that works perfectly. <laughs> See again, I said this before. Why do we have Mitchell on the show? I didn't write that for him. He made that up. Ladies and gentlemen, on the spur fantastic? of the moment, <laughs> isn't that fantastic? So, um, so yeah, let's wrap this up. I'll play you a little bit of the theme, and um, we'll see you at the next episode, which could be a very special one. Talk to you all soon.